Hey, Bettys. Welcome to the Better Podcast. It's your host, Dr. Stephanie. It is geeky magic time where I step away from the interviews and just talk to you. It's just going to be me and you today. And these episodes, I'm going to bring you personal insights, frequently asked questions, topic du jour in a more condensed, quick, and actionable way. I go hard on the geek, wrap it up with sprinkles and magic for you to do and be better. I get a lot of questions about how to ease perimenopause and menopause symptoms. And here's a really simple answer for you. Take a good mineral supplement. Your body loses a ton of minerals as you transition through perimenopause and menopause. And mineral deficiencies make a lot of the common symptoms worse. For example, if you're struggling with poor sleep, fatigue, joint pain, hot flashes, or any other side effects that are wearing you down, you might think about giving Beam Minerals a try. Their full-spectrum mineral supplement contains every single mineral that you lose during perimenopause and menopause. And there is a meaningful dose here with close to 100% bioavailability. All you have to do is take a shot of liquid every morning to replenish your mineral stores and ease the symptoms that you might be experiencing. Beam Minerals just taste like water and you'll feel the difference within a few days. Head over to beamminerals.com and use the code BETTER for 20% off. Hey, hey, Betty's. Welcome to Geeky Magic. And today we are talking about week four in our menstrual cycle as part of our four-week series in our menstrual masterclass. If you haven't heard the previous three, you're going to want to make sure that you go back and listen to the last three geeky magics that we have put out. And today we are doing our final installment and we're talking about week four. So this is the week before our bleed week. And in week four, generally as an overall strategy, whether we're talking about nutrition or movement or our emotional health, we want to be working towards a few days of rest and recovery and reflection towards the end of that week. Now, from a hormonal perspective and from a physiological perspective, there is a lot of substrate now being thrown into the endometrial lining. So when we're talking about this from a nutrition, we'll get to nutrition in a moment, but generally I want to up calories by 10 to 15%. And I also want to change her macros again to look like it did in week two. So if you recall last week in week three, we were talking about a 70-20-10 with the addition of resistant starches. And this week we are returning to that 40-40-20, 40 fat, 40 protein, 20% carbohydrates. And generally, when we look at women this week, we have an increased appetite, we have food cravings, and we have generally, you know, an increase in caloric intake. And that is associated with cyclical changes in serotonin during this period. And it's also accompanied by decreasing amino acid levels and elevated nitrogen utilization. So we talked a little bit about this last week, but this decrease in amino acid plasma levels that are observed in this luteal phase, particularly in this week four, is associated with progesterone and progesterone's upregulation of the associated protein biosynthesis as required for the endometrial lining so that it can prepare the uterus for pregnancy. In other words, progesterone is making sure that the endometrial lining is big and fluffy, right? And for that, in, in anticipation of this fertilized egg. 
And this is why I like to return to this 40, 40, 20, because we have a higher energetic expenditure in, in week three and four, but in particular week four, there's a bit of a frenzied upregulation in energetic expenditure. And we will often compensate by eating more in uh, this week, particularly protein. We'll also see this across the board with other macronutrients. So we'll see lipids decreased um, relative to the follicular phase, suggesting obviously a higher utilization of fatty acids for lipid or steroid synthesis, um, or, you know, just an increase in fat absorption. So kind of back to the hormonal picture, if you will, at the beginning of week four, end of week three, progesterone has likely peaked, right? So somewhere around day 19 to 22 or so, we see this peak in progesterone. And then around the middle of week four, we will see a sudden drop in both progesterone and estrogen. And this is because there is the body realizes, okay, there's no fertilized egg here. Now we have to actually scrap this endometrial lining and we have to start again because we want a fresh endometrial lining to be able to receive this fertilized egg. So the endometrial lining becomes ischemic, which means no oxygen is getting there. And we will get eventually, you know, the shedding of that lining. And that's the first day of your period. Now, this is a really, I think this is a portal, an energetic portal week. This is a potentially a clinical glimpse into what menopause might look like for this woman. So we see, you know, if you're looking at it, it's like a mini menopause in these last couple of days in week four. There's a sudden drop in her sex hormones. And of course, if she doesn't have her ducks in order, the symptoms that she experiences in the day before, you know, the days or, you know, three days or so, one to three days before her period will very likely be amplified through her perimenopausal and menopausal years. If you're a longtime listener of the podcast, of course, you know that there are many strategies that we discuss with both thought leaders and in our geeky magic series around weightlifting, around nutrition, around stress. And these are you know, sort of the three main verticals that any woman, irrespective of her age, but particularly my perimenopausal and menopausal women, we want to be paying attention to because we want to make sure that your perimenopausal experience and your menopausal experience can be as beautiful as possible. Because one of the things that I, you know, this is a separate topic, but I'm just going to say it anyway, because I just can't keep it in is so for so many of us in society, we have been taught that our lives end at menopause, that our sexuality ends at menopause, that we are no longer useful. To which I say, screw you, patriarchy, because this is the full moon of a woman's life. This is when she is just getting started. So the problem is, of course, is that we've been told that we are crones and we are hags and we are, you know, all these different words, which actually used to have different meanings. We'll get into um, some of the different, uh, we'll we'll eventually get here because this is, you know, this show is geeky magic. We're going to keep it a little geek today, Uh, but I definitely want to, I want to definitely step into the magic side of things and talk a little bit about a woman's power. And 
So a woman's menopausal years, I think, is a time for her to really bloom. This is the summer of her life. And we can do that through some of these strategies that we're talking about. But we also want to be considering her emotional well-being and effing the patriarchy and saying, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to look like the badass self that I am when I'm 60, when I'm 70, when I'm however old. And we're going to we're going to really redefine what aging means, because there is, again, sort of a toxic view around aging that I won't get into today, um, but I will in a future geeky magic, I promise. Okay, so let's go into nutrition. <laughs> it's a nice segue, wasn't it? Uh, so, you know, I mentioned returning to that 40, 40, 20. Uh, so 40 fat, 40 protein, 20% carbohydrate. And that higher protein count is going to help. It's going to be satiating. It's going to help to curve cravings that a woman might be feeling in this time. And then also the doubling of the carbohydrates is going to help to quell her cravings as well assuming that she's consuming plants that have, you know, a low lectin load that are not causing inflammation and of course have lots and lots of fiber that is also very satiating. As I mentioned, I also like to increase calories this week and let's just for a moment cut those energetic cords that I just felt you have, you shiver, as I said, you're going to eat more um, because I, I know that this can be scary. Again, this has been programmed in women for us to always be on a diet, for us to be thriving on some stupid 1200 calorie a day you know, diet, we want to eat like rabbits, like, okay, again, another subject, I feel myself wanting to step onto the podium and scream about this, but I'm going to, I'm going to contain myself and we'll do it another time. 1200 calories, by the way, never a good idea for no one, unless you are 95 with 50% body fat, that might be, that might be appropriate. But if you are anything but that 1200 calories is starvation. And let me just remind you that when you eat less, when you are eating these 1200 calorie garbage diets, um, and, I know, and while I know that it's scary to even think about increasing your calories, because the first thing that you think is like, oh my God, I'm going to gain weight, I'm going to gain fat. But when you reduce your calories, your body will instinctively start preparing for a famine in several ways. So the first way is that your basal metabolic rate, your BMR is going to decline. That is basically the amount of energy that you need to live while at rest, like not doing anything. So when we think about this in terms of uh, calories in, calories out, right? This is the thermodynamic balance of whether or not we increase our overall weight, decrease our overall weight or maintain it. Decreasing your BMR is going to reduce the energy out, right? It's going to reduce calories out. Exercise, of course, is going to become more difficult because you have less available energy and you're likely to burn fewer calories through that activity as well, even if it's the same activity that you may have been doing on a higher, you know, with a higher caloric load. You will expend less energy through the exercise because as your body gets smaller, it doesn't require as much fuel and your metabolism is also going to adapt to make you more efficient. So this will reduce the number of calories that you burn through movement, which, oh my God, is so frustrating, right? If you're like putting your heart out and you are, you know, if you are going at those weights, your body is going to downregulate the amount of energy out. And of course, we know that as you kind of get closer to your you know, set point or your, let's say five to 10 pounds within your weight goal, you may also inadvertently start using up proteins in your muscle as a fuel source instead of your adipocytes. And this is particularly true for women who we know naturally hold on to fat more aggressively than men do. Of course, you know, you are going to, when you are eating less, you know, you're 
non-exercise activity thermogenesis, your NEAT reduces generally. And also, again, as, as it does in the workout, you are going to reduce the energy output from that NEAT activity, like walking and gardening and things like that. And the other thing that happens is your digestion slows. So your body can absorb as many nutrients as possible. So this will actually increase the energy in, the calories in. And I'm telling you this because I know that so many women, when I say, I want you to increase your calories, they literally shiver. Like they literally freeze and like, oh my God, I'm going to gain weight. And, you know, there, maybe we'll talk about reverse dieting or increasing your metabolic adaptation another time. But metabolic adaptation works both ways. So there is a um, phenomenon known as adaptive thermogenesis, which basically means that your body uh, wastes calories as heat in a fed state. So when you increase your caloric intake, of course, it's going to provide you know, several metabolic benefits, your BMR is going to rise, right? So resulting in more energy out, your workout capacity increases, right? You have more substrate, you have more energy to increase that energetic output. That's going to not only increase your lean muscle mass, which is going to raise your BMR, but it's also going to increase that energy out. Sodium is an essential nutrient involved in the maintenance of normal cellular balance, the regulation of fluid and electrolytes and your blood pressure. Start your morning right with a refreshing, salty tonic of LMNT. It's spring season now, which means I will be enjoying watermelon or grapefruit salt on ice, and it is a fabulous way to balance stress hormones and make sure that I am maximizing my muscle gains. LMNT also has a no questions asked refund policy. Try watermelon or any flavor that you want, and if you don't like it, they will refund your money no questions asked, and you don't even need to return the box. Head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash Dr. Estima. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T.com forward slash D-R-E-S-T-I-M-A. And you will get a free LMNT sample pack with any purchase. Your NEAT also increases non-exercise activity thermogenesis for the very same reason, because you have more substrate available. You'll feel like walking. You'll, you won't get as tired. You won't avoid it and sit in your chair all day. And then your digestion is going to return to normal. So now your GI tract is no longer squeezing every bit of sustenance from every morsel of food, right? So it's going, there's going to be a bit more waste um, that happens. So all this to say, don't be afraid to increase your calories. And ladies, if you are eating a 1200 calorie diet, girl, we got we to gotta chat. And I, I will probably put some geeky magic resources together for you in terms of how you can slowly but surely increase your metabolic um, adaptation without necessarily increasing your uh, fat percentage uh, as well. But that's a different, different topic, but it's just something that seems to be coming up in my life a lot. I coach... Um, doctors who are all reporting the same thing to me, the, you know, the patients that they're seeing, they're all so afraid of doing anything but 1200 calories. They have pregnant patients who are trying to adhere to this crazy diet. And, um, it really irks me. It makes me really sad because that tells me that women are so afraid. You know, we, we just, we have tethered our worth to our weight and, you know, you can be the body composition that you have is far more important than the weight on a scale. So I just wanted to say that. 
this week as like almost like a mini refeed, right? It's going to help stimulate your metabolism, get you into fat burning and give you more of that energetic substrate so that you can actually crush your workouts and you have more energy to do your daily activity and your digestion and your BMR are going to improve as well. So as we talked about in week three, we were talking about the addition of resistant starches. I think that that is a great idea to continue this week. And fasting, you know, since we're on the topic of nutrition, usually uh, I typically do it a shorter duration. I am generally hungrier. I have found most women to report the same. They are generally hungrier this week. You know, your metabolic output is higher this week. So I will usually stick to a lighter, you know, if you are going to be fasting more of a time-restricted eating model, like a 12-12, a 10-14, nothing nothing necessarily more um, than that. So Thinking about movement, I, uh, I love to train all throughout my cycle. So in week four, I am still lifting weights, but the way that I lift the weights changes. So what happens is the first three weeks, generally it has been somewhere between five and 12 repetitions, right? So, you know, week one and three, we're doing eight to 10 reps. Week two, we're doing five to eight. So heavy to moderate weights. This week, I tend to lighten up the load, but I do a higher rep count. So it might be in the 15 to 20 rep range, you know, 15 to 20 reps, four sets of each exercise. And we're still working the muscle, not quite to fatigue, but generally very close to that. And the other thing, of course, is that which with each muscular contraction, we are also generating myokines. And this is why you can lift weights in, an, in a vast majority of ways and still get the metabolic benefits of weightlifting. It doesn't always have to be five reps. It doesn't always have to be. And I actually rarely see women only lifting five reps. I I always see them doing the 12 to 15 rep range all the way through their cycle without any adaptation or any consideration for our hormones. But you can absolutely bring the muscle to almost fatigue by lightening the load and increasing the rep. And when we talk about why myokines, of course, are important is it's myokines are, you know, one of several hundred cytokines, which are produced and released by the skeletal muscles um, in response to muscular contractions. So they are really interesting because they have autocrine, paracrine and endocrine um, effects. And when we actually look through the body, myokines are found, uh, you know, uh, receptors for myokines are found on the muscle, uh, on the adip- uh, on, in the fat, liver, pancreas, bones, heart, <laughs> immune system, brain. It's like, hello, we're everywhere. And, you know, the, the location of, you know, when we look at how many myokine receptors we have throughout the entire body, of course, that reflects that myokine, myokines are important, but that they also have multiple functions. So one of the most obvious ones is obviously the exercise associated metabolic changes that we see um, following, you know, training, and they will also help to participate in tissue regeneration and repair, um, immunomodulation and all a whole bunch of different things. But myokines are really important. And so I wanted to bring this up because 
even at the 12 to 15 rep range, you're still getting that myokine release. But in week four, energetically, it can be sometimes difficult to continue lifting heavy, but you can still profit from the benefits that weightlifting will give you if you just change up the way that you train to honor the hormonal and metabolic and physiological changes that are happening this week. So lift weights, ladies. Uh, cardio is also great here. Um, it can be really anything. Steady state um, is great. Um, and it can also be um, high intensity interval training. I would say that most women will prefer steady state this week to hit. But if you are somebody who loves to have that really uh, you know, euphoric rush that comes from high intensity interval training, it's great this week too, especially towards the end of the week with that declining estrogen. And we've talked about the estrogenergic effects on our tendons and our ligaments. So as estrogen declines, um, it has a protective effect in some ways on our ligaments because they're not as lax. And just as a general note for steady state. So I love steady state cardio. Um, I typically, you know, truth be told, I, I, I tend to back out of cardio this week. I just honestly in week four, don't feel like it. <laughs> like I much prefer my weights this week, uh, working them to fatigue with that lighter load, but, um, steady state should never be longer than 60 minutes to 70, like 75 minutes is the absolute upper upper range that I would recommend for any cardio session, because after that, it really does flip into this pro-inflammatory state. And I say this with love, but all my marathon runners, like they all look like they're about to die all the time because they are running for hours and hours on end, not to mention the, the gravitational and the mechanical forces that degenerate the knee, the hip, the ankle that we see over the long term um, with these long term runners. So, uh, and if you're, you know, if you've watched the Olympics as I have uh, in the past couple of weeks and you look at the difference between the 5,000 meter runners and the sprinters, you know, of course there's going to be training that is different for them, but the body composition is just, you have the 5,000 meter, uh, individuals, they just are all skin and bones, like just very, very thin. And your sprinters are muscular and beautiful. So just, um, just something to keep in, into consideration. But if you want to do cardio this week, you know, any, any cardio is great. I typically, you know, don't do as I do, but I typically don't do cardio this week because I don't enjoy cardio as much as I enjoy weights. There's absolutely no scientific reasoning behind that other than just my personal um, preference. All right, let's talk a little bit about the emotional well-being and the emotional and mental state of a woman this week. And this is what I was saying when I talked about this energetic portal. This is a really special week. And it is because of something called a negativity bias. Now this week, particularly towards the end of week four, things are going to annoy you this week. So people are going to get on your nerves. Like you, you're not going to want to people this week, right? Your husband's going to be annoying you. Your partner's going to be, your kids, your friends, your mother, whoever. Um, and what I would ask you to do, if you feel so called to do so, is to notice what you notice without judgment, without judgment for yourself without judgment for the person, because this is a special time of the month where you are naturally biased to view things in a more negative light. And this is partially due to the serotonin change. We have a change in serotonin and dopamine towards the end of the week. 
But the, the really cool thing about this week is that it provides clues to where you may be unsatisfied in your life, right? It is, it is almost a way for your soul to speak to you. You know, maybe your job is really weighing you down and you might be able to just punch through it, put your head down and kind of get over it during your follicular phase, but it really weighs on you in these few days before your period. You know, maybe there's a conversation that you need to have with a coworker, your boss, a partner, your child. So the beauty of this week is that it allows you to figure out the things that are bothering you the most, that you just don't have tolerance for. And if you can observe them without judgment, you know, whether it's a person or yourself, just saying this is, it is what it is. This will help you highlight, almost like a highlighter on the page, what are some of the things you might consider changing in the next cycle, in the next 28 to 29 days, this next cycle in your life. And next week, when you begin menstruating, this is a really good time to figure out how you're going to solve these issues that have come up in this next 28 or 29 day cycle. This negativity bias is a highlighter, right? I love this idea of like the highlighter on the page of what's wrong and the bleed week will help you problem solve it. And I love this so much because so often we dismiss these symptoms, right? This like, you're getting annoyed with your husband. You're like, oh, this is stupid PMS. Like, God, it's like this curse for being a woman. Like I'm so hormonal this week. Like these are these derogatory terms that we talk about uh, ourselves with, but this is our divine gift. These couple of days is a portal to our mother energy. Not your biological mother, but your own mother energy within you, that nurturing, loving, all-encompassing, non-judgmental woman within you. And so often we want to stay the maiden, right? We always want to stay helpless, forever young and naive and delegating our responsibility and our roles and our lives to someone else. And this, these days are so wonderful to sit with. They are the energetic portal into our mother energy. Another, another way I've often referred to this mother energy is our queen energy instead of our princess energy, which is just forever young, naive, you know, needs to, needs to feel protected rather than being the queen who is, um, you know, the almighty, all seeing, all loving, you know, does what's right. And this is about identifying the problem and how you might go about solving it. And, you know, if you remember in chess, the, um, the queen is the most important part, right? It's the most important player. And she can move in all directions, forward, backward, diagonal, um, and, uh, you know, not throwing shade on, on chess, but, you know, the king moves one at a time, right? It doesn't move in the same capacity that the queen does. And, let me tell you, in case you forgot, you are a queen and you are the almighty mother. The divine feminine lives within you. The kingdom of heaven lives within you here and now. 
Okay, I just caught myself getting up on my little soapbox there. I could go on and on about the princess versus the queen, the mother versus the maiden. Uh, if you want more of that, you know, please let me know. I would love, love, love uh, to dive deeper in that. You know, you know, I love the science, right? But I also love the magic, and you know, hence the name of the show is Geeky Magic. So it's you know where geek meets magic, and that's what I think. Really, it, you know, when we think about our cycle in total, it is geek meets magic, right? It we have all of these hormonal ebbs and flows. We have the menstrual phase, the bleed week, the shedding. We have the, you know, the development of the follicle, the follicular phase, the expansion. And then we have the contraction after ovulation, you know, the internal, uh, tending to our internal terrain and figuring out what it is that our soul wants and having that portal to be able to speak to our soul and allowing our body and our mind to highlight for us, what are some of the things that are not working? So with that in mind, I hope that you have enjoyed this masterclass, this four series masterclass. Please leave me a review on iTunes. Let me know if you like this, what else you would love to see. Um, I would personally love to do more of the divine feminine and the princess and the queen energy and how we can all begin to um, reclaim and remember who it is that we actually are as women. Um, but I will do that, uh, through, and I will follow you, my Betty. So if you want more of that, I'm here for it. If you want more of the science, I always got the science. We can do the science all day long. So uh, let me know what you love, um, what you loved about this little mini series, um, on iTunes, you can leave a review. You can always just leave a five-star rating as well. I believe Spotify also has a, um, a rating system there as well. So if you're listening on Spotify, please leave, leave me a review there. And until next time, I hope you have a blessed week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. For those of you who want to continue on this week's Geeky Magic Carpet Ride with me, visit bettershow.co forward slash show notes. You'll find research, links, summary notes, musings that I prepared in preparation for the podcast. And I often throw in some of my best practices, bonuses, and links. All the juicy bits are in there for you. And now for the obligatory legal and medical disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and the advice recommendations we discuss do not replace medicine, chiropractic, or any other primary healthcare provider's advice, treatment, or care. In the consumption of this podcast, there is no doctor-patient relationship formed. And the use and implementation of the information discussed are at the sole discretion of the listener. The information and opinions shared on this podcast are not intended to be a substitute for primary care, diagnosis, or treatment. This episode is brought to you by yours truly, Dr. Stephanie Estima and Leverage. Leverage handles all production, creates the images that you see on my social media, and takes out all my awkward pauses. They are my secret magic bullet. You can visit them at getleverage.com forward slash better.